Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting over episode 8 of Kill Luck Hill. If you'd like to watch along, start watching now. So this episode starts with Satsuki making a declaration to the entirety of Honoji Academy. Basically, total social upheaval. She's saying that there's sort of going to be a natural selection type event where anyone can challenge anyone to a fight. And the results of this battle royale will determine your social standing in Honoji Academy afterward. Up to and including being a chair of the council. So, literally anyone's position is up for grabs, save for Satsuki. So, if you work hard enough, you can become one of the council chairs. Uh, if you fail to work hard enough, you can be demoted to no star. So, it seems to me that based off of what we know from the previous episode, this is sort of in line with Satsuki's plan to sort of prune the weak from Hanoji Academy. So, as the natural's election, as Satsuki calls it, begins, Satsuki is sort of uh, hiding out in, uh, I guess, her quarters, which are now shielded by life fibers that are rotating at a high frequency. So this sort of foils what Ryuko thought might happen, which was an opportunity to fight Satsuki. So, Sat or not Satsuki, Ryuko's sort of uh, conferring with Mr. Mikisugi, and the idea is they know that Satsuki knew that everything would devolve into anarchy without her stabilizing presence.
So while all the fighting is going on, the the four council chairs are very sanguine about the whole thing. Uh, Jacuzere is under the impression that, you know, this is perfectly normal behavior for Satsuki to build something, tear it down, and then build it back up better. So as Gamaguri departs from the group to go pursue his own activities, the other three chairs sort of remark about how loyal he is to Satsuki, to the point that he would be willing to pursue getting a driver's license for no other reason than being her personal chauffeur. So as the fighting goes on, it seems like it's really not being contained entirely within the boundary of Honoji Academy. It seems like it's, I guess, affecting the entirety of the surrounding city. So at least for Mako and her family, they don't really care. So the Mancancho family's attitude is sort of that, you know, there's no sense in getting to the thick of the fighting right now. It would be better to just sort of wait for everybody to tire themselves out so they can sort of sweep things in the end. So compared to the previous episodes, this episode is going to be sort of low-key. Ryuko and Mako are going into, I guess, a neighboring city to sort of check out things over there and avoid the fighting. So on the way there, they sort of step by Ryuko's old home. Ryuko gives a little bit more exposition on her family situation about how her mother died not long after she was born. And she didn't have a good relationship with her father, who shipped her off to boarding school. And basically since then, she was a delinquent. In fact, she only rekindled her relationship with her father after receiving a note from him. And even then, she arrived just long enough to watch him die. So it was Dr. Matoy, he just told her, you know, find the person with the other half of the scissors, but 
a cruel fate awaits you, and Ryuko, being impetuous as she is, she started chasing after the other half of the scissor blade, which she got a glimpse of. But in doing so, she neglected to hear the rest of what Dr. Matoy had to tell her. Uh, most likely to her detriment. Now, at this point, we can only speculate on what kind of bombshells he would have dropped. So at this stage in the game, Ryuko's sort of blue about not really having any of the answers she was looking for. So I guess she's decided to try and investigate a little bit, see if she can find any clues within the ruins of Dr. Matoy's house. Apparently there were no clues to be found. So, on their way back to Hinoji Academy, unfortunately their scooter runs out of fuel, so they're forced to walk the rest of the way. Mako gets the good idea that uh, hitchhiking would be the only viable solution. To everyone's surprise, they managed to flag down Gamaguri, who was driving. So Gamaguri is sort of being honorable here, declaring that he's not going to fight them until... The appointed day, which Satsuki's already laid out. And furthermore, he's very resolute about how his position as the disciplinary committee chair obligates him to help students in need off campus. So despite his antagonistic role, Gamagori's not a bad guy. So while Gamaguri's driving Ryuko and Mako back, he is uh, displeased by some of the other students failing to follow the rules of the road. And when they open fire, you know, it becomes clear that they are here to take part in the free-for-all.
So at this point, the Automotive Airsoft Club, which is the merged version of the Automotive Club and the Airsoft Club, they're here for Gamaguri. You know, the the club captain is gunning for that nice three-star uniform, and he's not to be deterred even by the presence of Ryuko. So, for reasons unknown, Gamaguri was determined to outdrive them, much to the detriment of the group overall. So now they're squarely cornered by the Automotive Airsoft Club. Ryuko's preparing to fight, but notably Gamaguri tells her to stand down because it's his fight. So for the first time, we get to see Gamaguri use his uniform's power. And I guess for Ryuko, this is sort of a sneak preview of what she can expect to fight later on. And at this point, the only thing we really know about his so-called shackle regalia is that it's incredibly durable. It's also highly suggestive. So just like before with Sanagayama, we now have a flashback of Gamaguri in his past prior to meeting Satsuki. So back at his old school, the situation seems to be that a bunch of students are trying to... Uh, politely suggest that a fellow student commit not alive. And even back then, Gamaguri was, I guess, a sort of disciplinary chair or an authority among students otherwise. But the issue here is that the kids misbehaving are the children of very rich powerful and influential figures, so they can kind of get away with whatever they want. So, despite Gamaguri nominally being an authority, he really doesn't have any power here. So this is sort of the crux of Gamaguri. He's all about honor and justice and all that. And because of the corruption of the school he went to, he felt powerless. 
Fortunately, Satsuki intervened and managed to save the student's life. But Satsuki didn't just stop there. She also bought out the companies of the parents of these bratty kids. Sort of, uh, I guess, giving them a taste of their own medicine by buying out the companies and firing their parents. So these kids with the remnants of the authority they hold demand that their thugs beat up Satsuki, but, you know, it's very clear that they were never going to be a match for her. So Satsuki, having bested their thugs, now declares that she is in charge. Gamaguri is initially distrustful. It occurs to him that Satsuki, now being in charge of the school, just be trading one tyrant for another. So he is not content to bend the knee to her just yet. So Gamagori, his big thing is his resolve. And in fact, he waited around for two years for Lady Satsuki just so they could enroll in Hanoji Academy together. You know, he, he's definitely older than your normal high school aged student. But because of his resolve, he's willing to put the rest of his life on hold. So in one fell swoop, he manages to wipe out the Automotive Airsoft Club. And he really showcases the power of his Goku uniform. So after all the conflict, Gumagori is still acting out of concern for Ryuko and Mako, and he tells them, you know, be safe, drive safely, don't talk to strangers, and then, you know, I'll, I'll beat you up at the sudden death runoff election. Sort of mixed messaging, but I think he's coming from a genuine place. So after however many days Scott Satsuki prescribed for conflict... The sudden death runoff will now occur. So, Satsuki is sort of tallied up 
the winners and the losers of the past week's worth of battle royales. So everyone will now be ranked on their performance, so to speak. And then after that, there's the sudden death to determine who the new hierarchy, or rather those at the top of hierarchy, will be. So, Ryuko gets the impression that Satsuki's not quite playing fair here since the other, or rather the existing student council members are favored. So, Ryuko's using her initiative to sort of uh, get the drop on everybody else so that she can challenge the council herself with no interference from anyone else. So, interestingly, the Elite Four petitioned Satsuki. They each want their own separate shot at fighting Ryuko. So, tellingly, Satsuki didn't plan for this ahead of time, but nonetheless she approves of it. So rather than a five-way melee determining the hierarchy of things to come, it will instead be one-on-one fights between Ryuko and each individual member of the Elite Four. Additionally, Satsuki promises that if Ryuko wins, she'll tell Ryuko all she knows about Dr. Matoi's death. So at this point... We don't really know if Satsuki does in fact know anything. She might just be saying that to goad Ryuko into reckless action, but at this point Ryuko doesn't have any other option than to, I guess, beat everyone up. So, true to his word, Gamagori is here to beat Ryuko on the sudden death runoff, and as it turns out, he's the first member of the Elite Four to fight her. So in the spirit of that, Ryuko transforms her Kamui and prepares to engage him.
All right, that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.